0: Section 10 of Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Epics and Romances of the Middle Ages by Wilhelm Wagner. Section 10 Dietrich's Adventures King Lauren and the Little Rose Garden deit once came unexpectedly on a visit to master hildebrand at his castle of garden he looked sadder than of old and returned the master's greeting without an answering smile hildebrand inquired the cause of his sadness and he replied that he had a sweet and wise sister named kundhild who had kept house for him in styria one day when she was dancing with other maidens in a green meadow and he looking on she suddenly vanished from the circle, and no one knew what had become of her. Since then, he continued, I have learned from a magician that it was the dwarf king, Loren that hid her under a cap of darkness, and carried her off to his hollow mountain. This mountain is in Tyrol, where the dwarf has a wonderful rose-garden. Now, good master, I have come to you for advice. How can I free my sister from the power of the goblin?' IT IS A TICKLISH MATTER, SAID HILDEBRAND, AND MAY COST MANY A GOOD LIFE. I WILL GO WITH YOU TO BERN, TO SEE DIETRICH AND OUR OTHER COMRADES, AND THEN WE CAN AGREE IN COUNCIL WHAT IS THE BEST PLAN TO PURSUE. FOR THE DWARF IS POWERFUL, NOT ONLY BECAUSE OF THE EXTENT OF HIS EMPIRE, BUT FROM HIS KNOWLEDGE OF MAGIC. WHEN THE HEROES HEARD WHAT HAD BROUGHT HILDEBRAND AND Dietlieb TO BERN, Wolfhart SPOKE FIRST and said that he would adventure himself alone upon the quest, fetch home the maiden safe and sound, and bring the royal mannikin to bairn bound to his saddle-bow. Deedlip then asked Hildebrand if he knew the way to the rose-garden. He replied that he did, but that Loren watched over the garden himself, and exacted the left foot and right hand of any one who was bold enough to venture within its bounds, and spoil the roses he cannot exact this tribute said wittich unless he gets the better of the warrior in fair fight well then added the king we will not touch the lovely flowers all we want is to save our friend's sister from the hands of the dwarf and that is a labor beseeming a warrior all the heroes swore to do no hurt to the garden and then hildebrand consented to be their guide the adventurers were hildebrand and wolfhart their road led them northward among the wild mountains and over crevices ice and snow it was a perilous way they trod but they reckoned nothing of fatigue or danger for their hearts beat high with hope at length they reached the garden a lovely place where spring reigned eternally making it a flowery oasis in a wintry desert the heroes feasted their eyes on the beautiful sight and felt as though they had reached the gates of paradise wolfhart was the first to break the spell setting spurs to his horse he called to his comrades to follow and galloped towards the garden his mad career was soon checked by an iron door with golden letters inscribed on it he tried to break open the door but in vain his comrades came to his aid and the door was at last beaten in by the four strong men THE GARDEN WAS STILL DEFENDED BY A GOLDEN THREAD, SUCH AS USED TO SURROUND THE PALACES OF THE ASUS IN THE OLDEN TIME. THE WARRIORS TROD DOWN THE THREAD, AND THEN, IN SPITE OF HILDEBRAND'S WARNINGS, began TO PLUCK THE ROSES AND TRAMPLE THE GARDEN. Dietrich DID NOT JOIN IN THE WORK OF DESTRUCTION, BUT STOOD APART UNDER LINDEN TREE. SUDDENLY HILDEBRAND CALLED OUT, DRAW YOUR SWORDS, HERE COMES THE MASTER OF THE GARDEN. They all looked up, and saw something bright advancing rapidly towards them. Soon they were able to distinguish the form of a horseman riding a steed that was as swift as the wind. He was small of stature, and habited in complete suit of armor. His helmet was of specially beautiful workmanship, and was further adorned with a diadem of jewels, in the midst of which a carbuncle blazed like a sun. On beholding the damage that had just been done, he drew rein, and exclaimed angrily, "'What harm have I ever done to you, robbers as you are, "'that you should thus destroy my roses? "'If you had aught against me, "'why did you not send me a challenge like honorable men? "'You must now expiate your crime "'by each giving me his right hand and left foot.' "'If you are a King Loren,' answered Dietrich, "'we do indeed owe you reparation.' and will pay you a fine in gold, but we cannot afford to lose our right hands, for we require them to wield our swords, and as to our left feet, we could not well ride were we deprived of them. He would be a coward who talked of paying any fine except in blows, cried Wolfhart. and I am determined to dash that hop of my thumb, together with the cat he is riding, against the cliffs over yonder. And then his bones will break into such tiny pieces that even his grasshopper subjects can never collect them. Upon this, Loren answered in words of defiance, and the combat with Wolfhart began, only to end in the latter's overthrow the moment he felt the touch of the dwarf's spear. VITICH was not more fortunate than his friend, for he was also thrown from his saddle at the first encounter. Loren sprang from his horse. "'drew out a large knife and approached the hero, "'who lay senseless on the ground. "'Dietrich sprang forward to rescue his comrade. "'Do not venture the spear-thrust, but close with him,' "'said Hildebrand in a low voice. "'Loren has three magic charms of which you must deprive him, "'and these are a ring with the stone of victory on his finger, "'a belt that gives him the strength of twelve men round his waist.' and in his pocket a cap of darkness, which makes him invisible when he puts it on. After a long and fierce wrestle, Dietrich managed to get possession of the ring, which he at once gave to the master's charge. Again the combat raged, neither side gaining any advantage. At last Dietrich begged for a short truce, which Loren granted. The truce over, the two kings renewed the fight dietrich caught loren by the belt and at the same moment the latter clasped him round the knee so tight that he fell backwards the violence of his fall broke the belt he was holding and it slipped from his hand hildebrand then rushed forward and caught it before the dwarf could pick it up no sooner was this done than loren went out of sight dietrich still felt the blows he gave but could not see him filled with the berserker rage at his own powerlessness he forgot the pain of his wounds he flung away both sword and spear sprang like a tiger in the direction in which he heard the whistling of the invisible sword and seized his adversary for the third time he tore away the cap of darkness and lorne stood before him praying for peace i shall first cut off your right hand and left foot and then your head and after that you may have peace cried the angered hero, setting off in pursuit of the dwarf, who now took to his heels. "'Save me, Dietlieb, my dear brother-in-law,' cried Loren, running up to that warrior. "'Your sister is my queen.' Dietlieb swung the little creature on horseback before him, and galloped away into the wood. There he set him down, and told him to hide himself until the king's anger was abated. Coming back to the place of combat— the warrior found Dietrich on horseback, and as furious as before. I must have either the dwarf's head or yours, cried Dietrich. In another moment their swords were flashing. A second fight would have begun had not Hildebrand held back the king by main force, while Vithitch did the same to Dietlieb After a little they succeeded in making peace between the angry men, and also in gaining grace for the dwarfs later still the warriors might have been seen in friendly converse with each other and with loren who was then and there admitted as one of dietrich's comrades this point settled the dwarf proposed to show them the wonders of his hollow mountain saying that dietlieb should then give his sister to him as wife with the usual ceremonies it is the old law answered the hero of Stierland. THAT WHEN A MAIDEN HAS BEEN CARRIED AWAY FROM HER HOME AND IS RECOVERED BY HER FRIENDS, SHE SHOULD HAVE FREE CHOICE GIVEN HER EITHER TO REMAIN WITH HER HUSBAND OR RETURN TO HER PEOPLE. ARE YOU WILLING THAT IT SHOULD BE SO IN THIS CASE? BY ALL MEANS, SAID THE DWARF. NOW LET US GO. DO YOU SEE THAT snow capped MOUNTAIN? MY PALACE IS THERE. SO DO HORSE, THAT MY EYES MAY NO LONGER BE PAINED BY SEEING THE WRECK YOU HAVE WROUGHT IN MY GARDEN. The roses will bloom again in May. The journey to the snow-capped mountain was much longer than the warriors had imagined. It lasted till noon of the following day. Below the snow they came to a meadow that was as beautiful as the rose garden. The air was filled with the perfume of flowers. Birds were singing in the branches, and little dwarfs were to be seen hurrying to and fro. They followed Loren into the dark entrance of his underground kingdom. The only one of their number who felt the least distrust was Vittich, who had not forgotten the thrust of the dwarf king's spear. IN KING LOREN'S REALM A soft twilight reigned in the vast hall of the palace to which they now came. The walls were of polished marble, inlaid with gold and silver. The floor was formed of a single agate. The ceiling of a sapphire, and from it there hung shining carbuncles like stars in the blue sky of night. All at once it became light as day. The queen came in surrounded by her maidens. Her girdle and necklace were jewelled, and in her coronet was a diamond that shone like the sun, bringing the brightness of day wherever it came. But the lady herself was more beautiful than aught else. None could take their eyes off her face. She seated herself beside Loren, and signed to her brother Dietlib to sit down on the other side of her. She embraced him and asked him many questions about their old home and friends. By this time supper was ready. Loren was a perfect host, and his guests were soon quite at their ease. Even Vintage forgot to be suspicious. When the meal was over, the dwarf king left the hall. AND DEEDLIP SEIZED THE OPPORTUNITY TO ASK HIS SISTER WHETHER SHE WAS WILLING TO REMAIN IN THAT UNDERGROUND PARADISE AS ITS QUEEN. SHE ANSWERED WITH TEARS THAT SHE COULD NOT FORGET HER HOME AND FRIENDS, THAT SHE WOULD RATHER BE A PEASANT GIRL IN THE UPPER WORLD THAN A QUEEN AMONG THE DWARVES, AND THAT THOUGH SHE MUST ADMIT THAT LAUREN WAS VERY GOOD AND KIND, YET HE WAS NOT AS OTHER MEN. DEEDLIP THEN PROMISED TO SAVE HER OR LOSE HIS LIFE IN THE ATTEMPT. Loren now returned, and asked the hero if he would like to retire to his bedchamber. He took him there, and remained talking with him for some time. At last he told him that his comrades were all condemned to death, and that he had only spared him because he was his brother in law. Traitor, false dwarf, cried Dietlieb, I live and die with my comrades, but you are in my power. He started forward, but the dwarf was gone and the door was shut and locked on the outside. Lauren then returned to the hall, filled the goblets of the warriors from a particular jar, and entreated them to drink the wine, which would ensure them a good night's rest. They did so, and immediately their heads sank upon their breasts, and a heavy drugged sleep fell upon them. In turning to the queen, Lauren desired her to go to her room, for these men must die in punishment for the wreck they had made of his rose garden adding that her brother was safely locked up in a distant room that he might escape the fate of his comrades kunhild wept aloud and said that she would die if he carried out his cruel purpose he gave her no distinct answer but reiterated his command as soon as the queen had retired he sounded his horn and immediately five giants and a number of dwarfs hurried into the room he commanded them to bind the warriors so tight with cords that they could not move when they awoke after that he had them dragged to a dungeon where they might remain until he could decide their fate next morning having seen his orders carried out he went to bed and began to think whether it would be better to let the men off to please the queen or to punish them for their evil deed THE LAST SEEMED TO HIM THE WISER PLAN, AND HE FELL ASLEEP, GLOATING OVER THE INTENDED SLAUGHTER OF HIS HELPLESS VICTIMS. Dietrich AWOKE SOON AFTER MIDNIGHT. HE FELT THAT HE WAS BOUND HAND AND FOOT, AND CALLED TO HIS COMRADES FOR AID, BUT THEY WERE AS POWERLESS AS HE. THEN Dietrich's WRATH WAS ROUSED TO SUCH A PITCH THAT HIS FIERY BREATH BURNT THE CORDS THAT BOUND ONE HAND AND LET IT FREE. After that, it was a matter of little difficulty to untie the knots at his wrist and feet, and then to set his comrades at liberty. What was to be done now? They could not break open their dungeon door. They had neither weapon nor coat of mail. They were helpless victims. At this very moment, while they were looking at each other in despair, they were startled by hearing a woman's voice asking in a low whisper if they were yet alive we thank you noble queen answered hildebrand we are alive and well but totally unarmed so kuhnhild opened the door and appeared on the threshold with her brother she placed her finger on her lips to enforce silence and led the way to where the hero's armor was piled as soon as they were ready the queen gave each of them a ring by means of which he could see the dwarfs even when they wore their caps of darkness hurrah cried wolfhart we can make as much noise as we like now that we have our armor on and our weapons in our hands loren awakened by wolfhart's loud tones knew that the prisoners were free and at once summoned his dwarfish army to his assistance the battle began and raged for a long time without any advantage being gained by either side Lauren was pleased in his heart of hearts that matters had turned out as they had, for he was a bold little fellow, and liked open war better than trickery. At length the underground forces were routed with great loss, and Lauren himself was taken prisoner. Dietrich spared the life of the dwarf king at Fair Kunhild's request, but deposed him from royal power, and gave the mountain to Sintrum, another dwarf of high rank, for a yearly tribute. When everything was ordered to their liking, the heroes returned to Bern, taking Loren with them as a prisoner. There was great joy in Bern at the return of the heroes, who were much praised for their valiant deeds, while the unfortunate Loren was laughed at by all. There was only one person who showed him any sympathy, and that was Kunhild. One day she met him when he was wandering about alone and melancholy, She spoke to him kindly, and tried to comfort him, and told him he would soon gain the king's friendship if he proved himself to be faithful and true. "'Ah!' he laughed bitterly. "'They think that they have kicked a dog who will lick their hands, but a trodden snake bites. "'You may know what I intended to do. "'I have sent to inform Valberon, my uncle, "'who rules over the dwarfs and giants from the Caucasus to Sinai, "'of what has happened.' and he is coming at the head of his forces to be my avenger. He cannot fail to win the day. Slay strong Dietrich and his comrades, and lay the whole land waste. When that is done, I will take you back to my kingdom, and replant my rose garden, that it may be lovelier in May than it ever was before. "'Lauren,' she answered, "'you carried me away from home by trickery and magic spells, but I have not been blind to your love.' "'and feel myself honoured by its greatness. "'I cannot live in your underground kingdom, "'but I will love you and be your queen in the rose-garden, "'if you will think of love and faithfulness, "'and not of revenge.' "'She left him, and he sat pondering the matter for a long time. "'A few days afterwards, Dietrich came to the dwarf king, "'and taking him by the hand said, "'that he had been his prisoner long enough.' that he must now sit with his comrades, or return to his own home, whichever he liked best. And then, continued the king, I will go with you to your rose-garden next spring, and see it in its beauty. The dwarf silently followed the king into the hall. He sat at Dietrich's side at the feast, and thought over the vengeance he would take when his uncle came. But lovely Kuhnhild appeared and filled his goblet, saying a few kind words the while and immediately love conquered hatred and he cried emptying the goblet to the last drop henceforward i am your faithful comrade in life and death whilst the warriors were still at the feast a messenger from king valbaran came in and declared war on dietrich in the name of his master unless loran were at once restored to his kingdom and unless the hero of Bern sent Valbaran all the money and all the weapons in the country, as well as the right hand and left foot of every warrior who had taken part in the destruction of the Rose Garden. Dietrich answered proudly, that he intended to keep his money, arms, hand and feet, and those of his subjects also. And tell him, added Loren, that I send him my thanks and greeting for coming to my assistance, but that I am now free, and have entered into a bond of love and friendship with the king of Bern. Both sides prepared for battle, but before a blow was struck, Loren rode into his uncle's camp and tried to make peace between Valberan and Dietrich. His uncle told him he was no better than a broken-spirited serf, and refused to listen to his words. So the fight began, and raged furiously for many hours. At length, late in the afternoon— dietrich and walberan met and challenged each other to single combat it was a terrible struggle both kings were severely wounded and it seemed to the onlookers as if both must die suddenly luren threw himself unarmed between their swords flung his arms around king walberan and entreated him to make peace almost at the same moment hildebrand did the same by the angry dietrich AND AFTER MUCH EXPENDITURE OF WORDS, THE PEACEMAKERS HAD THEIR WAY. SO THE FIGHTING WAS CHANGED TO FEASTING, AND THE KINGS ENTERED INTO A FRIENDLY ALLIANCE AT THE BANQUET THAT EVENING. THE HERO OF BERN MADE A LONG SPEECH IN PRAISE OF Loren, WHO HAD ENDANGERED HIS LIFE IN ENDEAVORING TO MAKE PEACE, AND TO WHOM HE THEREFORE RESTORED THE FREE AND INDEPENDENT RULE OVER HIS KINGDOM AND Rose Garden. WHEN HE HAD FINISHED, QUEEN VIRGINAL CAME FORWARD, leading fair kunhild and laid the hand of the maiden in that of Loren, saying that she knew he would regard her reward of his faithfulness as the greatest he had that day received for kunhild had promised to be his wife if her brother did not object as no dissentient voice was heard the marriage was celebrated there and then in the may month of the following year when the roses were again in bloom the dwarfs put the finishing touches to a beautiful palace, which they had built in the rose-garden. Many a herdsman and alpine hunter has seen it, but to those who go in search of it from mere curiosity it remains ever invisible. To this day, Loren and Kuhnhild show themselves at odd times in the valleys of Tyrol, and there are people yet alive who are reported to have had a distant glimpse of the wonderful rose-garden, the great rose garden and ilsen the monk dietrich was now a man in the prime of life a perfect hero and a man of valour the number of his comrades had much increased and many doughty deeds had been done once when the king was feasting with many of his comrades he looked round the table with pride and said he believed that no ruler on earth had such heroes about him THAT NO OTHER HAD PROSPERED SO WELL AS HE WITH THE HELP OF HIS CHOSEN COMRADES, AND THAT NONE MIGHT BE COMPARED WITH THEM. THE WARRIORS SHOUTED THEIR APPROBATION. ONE ALONE WAS SILENT. THE KING TURNED TO HIM, AND ASKED WHETHER IN ALL HIS JOURNEYS HE HAD SEEN BOLDER WARRIORS. THAT I HAVE, CRIED HERBRAND. I HAVE SEEN SOME THAT HAVE NOT THEIR MATCH UPON EARTH. IT WAS AT THE GOOD TOWN OF Worms NEAR THE RIVER RHINE in the land of Burgundy. It is there that the great rose-garden lies, five miles long by two and a half broad. The queen and her ladies tended themselves, and twelve great warriors keep watch and ward lest any one enter the garden without the queen's permission. Whoever does so must fight with the guard, and no one yet, whether giant or warrior, has been able to withstand them let us go and pluck the roses that have been watered with the blood of heroes cried dietrich i think that my comrades and i will get the better of the guard if you mean to try your luck said herbrand you must know that the victor will receive a kiss and a wreath of roses from lovely women ah well said the old master for the sake of a rose and a woman's kiss i would not risk a single hair of my head or beard he who wishes to pluck roses or kiss women will find enough at Bern. he need not go to the rhine to find them trusty eckhardt and a few more of the comrades agreed with him for well they knew what the burgundian warriors were like but dietrich loudly declared that he was not going to fight for the sake of roses and kisses but for honour and fame and that if his comrades did not wish to go with him he could go alone of course they would not hear of that and all who were present agreed to go the names of those who thus adventured their lives were dietrich himself master hildebrand strong Vittige, henny called the grim wolfhart the young heroes of sigistab and amalung or amlung trusty eckhart and hermit prince of Rusen but they only numbered nine in all, and twelve were needed to meet the twelve watchmen of the garden. Hildebrand knew what was to be done. He said, Good Rüdiger of Bechlaren will not refuse to be the tenth. The eleventh must be brave Dietlip of Styria, and the twelfth my pious brother, the monk Ilson. They started forth at once to induce the chosen three to join them. They went first to Bechlaren, in the land of the Danube. Rutiger received them hospitably, and at once consented to go with them, but said that he must first get leave of absence from Etzel, whose margrave he was. The heroes then went on to Styria to visit Dietlib. They did not find him at home, but his father, Bitterulf, who was there, earnestly entreated them to give up the journey to the Rhine, because he said only a fool would undertake a conflict for life or death with the world's bravest warriors for the sake of a rose and a kiss but when they met the young hero a short time after they found him ready to go with them this settled they went on to Munchenzell, the monastery to which hildebrand's brother belonged as soon as elson heard the object of their journey he went straight to the abbot and asked leave to accompany the hero of Bairn to the rose-garden. The abbot told him that such was scarcely a monkish quest, but Ilson grew so angry and so loudly affirmed that valiant deeds were in his eyes as seemly for a monk as for any other man, that the abbot quailed before him, and gave him leave to go. So Ilson donned his armor under his monkish dress, and started with his friends his heart beat high with joy that he was again bound on one of dietrich's adventures while his brother monks stood by and shook their heads saying they feared it would not end well seeing it was no saintly quest but a worldly the heroes went first to Bern, which was to be the general meeting-place margrave rudiger was the last to arrive for he had been detained by his visit to etzel Rüdiger was now sent on before the others as ambassador to the king Gibbage at Worms, to inform him of their intended invasion of the Rose Garden. The margrave was well known in the Rhineland, and was received as an old friend by the king, who rejoiced to hear of his leader's enterprise. The garden was entered on the appointed day, and the warriors stood opposite each other ready for battle, twelve against twelve, and yet always one against one, it was a terrible sight for many a hero fell dying amongst the roses and watered them with his heart's blood when proud wolfhart had slain his adversary he contemptuously refused the kiss offered him by a lovely maiden and contented himself with the garland of roses the monk ilsen walked into the lists on foot clad in his grey robes he jumped about among the roses with such strange agility that his opponent thought he had a madman to deal with but he soon found that his reverend foe was made of sterner metal than he supposed for he lay vanquished a wiser man though wounded almost to death the victor received the wreath of roses on his tonsured head but when he kissed the lovely maid who gave it him she shrieked aloud for his bristly beard had stung her rosy lips Seeing this, he said with comical disgust, The maidens of the Rhineland are fair to see, but far too tender to pleasure me. Many other heroes received the prize of victory, while others were severely wounded. Peace was not concluded until sunset. The brave hero of Bern soon afterwards returned home, pleased with the result of his quest. End of section ten.